Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to the latest episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Glasgow-based photographer Anne Ward. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. How are you? You keeping well? Yeah, fine, thank you. It's a beautiful sunny day outside in Glasgow, um, which which makes a pleasant change from what we normally get at this time yeah, of year. Even. I, yes, that's it. At least we've not been hit by the same winds that seem to have devastated other parts of the country. Which, yeah, definitely. Which is always a, which is always a shame. But anyway, today we're here to talk about one of your books that I picked up recently, Chips and Ice Cream. Um, but before we get on to talking about that, it would be great if you could maybe give everyone an introduction to your photography and, and to your background. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I was so flattered to be asked Um for this interview because I've never really thought of myself as a photographer you know I always think a photographer is someone who's does it for a job and knows how a camera works and that kind of thing but what I have always enjoyed doing is just taking pictures and yeah. since digital photography came in I'm just taking pictures of anything and everything that caught my eye um, and now I've got quite a big uh, collection of all these photos and I've thought oh what am I going to do with them now um, and for years I worked as a librarian I, I, was a, I was a classifier and I think part of that operation of kind of looking at a mound of stuff and thinking what is this and how does it you know what are the themes and how does it all fit together yeah. I think that's my kind of happy place of working through things sounds, yeah sounds good yeah and I, I also um, really wanted to put something in print because I've feel like all this digital stuff is so it's so easy to lose it <laughs> just hey. touch of a button um so you know I just wanted to make photo books and and I think going through the the photography I think if you've never seen it it's all in color um there's no no people no line I can tell you what it's not easier than I can tell you what it is um, but I, I've ended up with a lot of photos of things like shops and cafes, and chippies and seaside resorts and, yeah. you know, bits of old buildings and broken doors and neck curtains. It's just a, a real kind of jumble of things that, that to me looked good. Yeah, but I think I think it's also uh, I think they're also subjects that everyone particularly everyone in the UK can probably relate to having at some point in their life been in these towns being in the coastal environment etc and I, I think it, it's sites that we we all see and we all connect with and we all connect with in maybe very very different ways it's maybe somewhere that someone's gone on their holiday year after year after year and it's yeah. it becomes a lovely memory mm -hmm. that's good yeah and I think I'm always interested in things that are that are right under your nose but are maybe so familiar that you don't even notice them yes anymore. yeah yeah, so obviously you, I think you brought a couple of a uh, couple of books out. Beside the seaside was your first one, um, yeah. which I'm sure, as everyone can probably imagine, it is beside the seaside. And then your most recent one uh, was chips and ice cream, um, which I, I I absolutely just love. Um, as you say, the colours are beautiful throughout the book, but it's it's the subject matter. It just takes you back to as we were talking about before the traditional Italian Glasgow chippy whereby yeah. you would walk in and on the right hand side you've got the wee takeaway section and on the left hand side you've got the wee the wee cafe that you go in and sit in with the with the plastic coated chairs and, yeah. you've, and you've got all the pensioners who are getting their fish tea on a wednesday at their at their discounted price <coughs> exactly yeah the lucky people yeah so what 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 really drew you to the subject of uh, of of the chippy shall we say oh uh, well <laughs> 
that's a funny question, isn't it? What what draws draws you to the chippy? I think if you grow, grow up in Glasgow, it is just yeah. a part of normal life, yeah. isn't it? That you're, yeah. you're never far from a chippy, and um, you know it's always a pleasurable experience. And the same with cafes. You know, Glasgow has still has a lot of thriving cafes um, that are just so cosy to be in. You know, yeah. so comfortable, warming, and you know it's it it's kind of like coming out of your your house and walking into another place that feels comfortable and homely and you know you can meet friends and you get something comforting to eat um and I think you know what I've noticed is these places are are gradually being modernized and closed down so I I made more of an effort to look for the ones that were still existing you know and go around and take photos of of them as they were yeah and I think probably I, I mean I would guess about half of the cafes in this book have gone yeah, it's a real a real shame. Yeah, I mean, two of them went while I was actually editing the book, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, and I got to the point where I thought, um, I kind of thought, oh, they've lasted this long; they'll last forever. And then, you know, the Queen's Cafe in in Glasgow, yeah, which is, has just been a, an icon for a long time. That's been turned into something else. And Central Cafe, which I work quite close to, just disappeared as well. Um, so it, it's. If anything, it kind of drives me on. You know, it seems like a funny thing to do to take pictures of these places that you're so familiar with, but then they vanish. You know, so that's definitely been a part of what I'm doing. That if I find it, I take a picture of it, and I think it's. I think I feel more like a collector. There's definitely some. I definitely get some kind of collector's mentality for this. That it's not so much about making a beautiful picture. It's kind of about you know documenting yes yeah yeah there, there, yeah there's an there, there appears to be a real strong element of like documenting collecting which maybe relates back to your time spent in the library of 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 me of of record keeping and yeah yeah in, 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 a, in a in a slightly different sense in a slightly different form but I, I know exactly what you mean it's when you look at a lot of these shots a, a lot of them they're they're just they really capture just the given given the given moment and the capture such history in, in some of the some of the some of the locations that you never see it's even just the the base the things i think there's one of the pages there's it's i think page 29 when where, where you've got the where you've got the menu and it's it's yeah. it just reminds me back to the the local chippy where the price started off at four pounds and then it went to four twenty-five, just being scribbled over. And then uh-huh. someone, someone's then just stuck a bit of white paper on the top that says four fifty. Yeah. Next, the next time the four will be scribbled out and it'll be five. And it, it's just that the the, well, the way instead of right, we're, we'll just do it on the cheap in terms of how do we put the price up without having to rewrite the board all over again. Yeah. And definitely. and 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 these things, the it it just beautifully captures the history and the moment in time from these very traditional places that, as you say, you look at the Central Cafe and Queen's Cafe in Glasgow, which will be known to so many people, and then all of a sudden they're gone and all, all that history and all the experience as well has, has yeah. been lost. Yeah, I mean, because they are so family, they're mm. often so family run that, you know, if the last member of the family decides they don't want to do it anymore, that's yes. it. Yes. 
well, that's it. Even our local chippy has started off. It was like grandfather, the the current owner, it's his like great grandfather who started it. And then it's just worked through his family. And now it's his son who you can see is becoming to take on. And as you say, it's if the if the next generation aren't interested, then it, it all of a sudden dies and, and, and someone else picks it up. And mm-hmm. um, they're great. But it's also it's also the variety across. I like how you provide the locations at the back of just where all of these different cafes are because it shows you, it's obviously not just Glasgow, but it shows you the breadth at which all these institutions sit at across across the UK resorts. Yeah, I mean, everywhere, almost everywhere must have had a, a cafe at some point. And it, yeah. it's always, it was always a real kind of pleasure going into a wee town and then finding, I mean, there's there's a, a cracker in this book, um, which is a place called... Uh, town called Cretown, or I think you maybe say Cretan, if you're from that way in Dumfries and Galloway. Um, and it's, there was a little cafe called the Lido, yes. which had been there forever. Um, and the man that owned it was still working there. And he was in his 90s. And it, it was just incredible, you know, it, to find this little time capsule. And uh, it's not there anymore. But, you know, that that when you think of the stories that that place could... Tell. Yes. You know, it's absolutely amazing. You know, generations of families will have grown up from going in there for uh, their their cones to taking their own kids in. It's, it's just it. amazing. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's a wonderful part of I think British history, much as the seaside resorts are as well. And mm-hmm. and, and people just people just remember these things. And I think the the vibrancy of the colours. It's the the. Mil- it's the, the covered fabrics and the hard plastic seats that you just yeah. remember. You remember it takes you back to when you were a youngster yourself and your mum or you were going in with friends into one of these places. And yeah, you were up at the counter ordering your ice cream cone or sitting down for your fish tea. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a, a really beautiful collection collection of work um, that documents such an important part of time. And do you see this, you see the whole documentary part as being something that you, you'll progress with your photography in terms of maybe producing more books like this? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely a few kind of themes and a few different collections that seem to be falling out of these photos. So I haven't worked out how many books there will be yet but yes. yeah that, that was definitely the plan to, to start with a series and try and come up with a format that could be repeated you yes. know and then it was quite hard to make all those decisions I, I, I mean I suppose I've made decisions without really knowing what the rest of the series is going to look like absolutely but I just felt like I needed to give myself some kind of framework you know to think right okay here's the book going to be roughly this size 60 photos you know th- this is how it looks just to get over to get over that hurdle of actually producing the first Something. one you know because yes. it's it's so it was I mean I've spent so long just kind of sitting thinking oh, I'd like to do this and then yeah. you know there's various hurdles in the way of actually getting a book out and I, I've just had to force myself over each one because it's you know I, I'm just self-publishing everything so it's quite easy to be to completely discourage yourself, <laughs> you know. Absolutely, and, and and procrastination is a wonderful thing. You, you, I'm sure you're yeah. to, I'm sure you're able to rearrange your CD or DVD collection a million times instead of actually focusing down on what on what is you <clears throat> what is you want to do. But as you see, you really point out it's an important point. It's getting over the hurdle of publishing the first one, mm-hmm. and it. What, as you say, once you get the format that you think will work, it's not to say that it will not be the same throughout. But I think the size format really works well. 
I love the fact that it's nice. It's a it's a real weight and lovely lovely size to it. I think it works so well with the the A5 type format because it becomes really manageable to hold and and to appreciate the images. Yeah, that's good. That's what I thought as well. You know, when I was that was the how I pitched it really an A5 landscape book. Yep. Um, but I thought, well, I should have a think about this. So I looked at all the photo books that I've got, you know, and picked up bigger ones and smaller ones. And and this was still what I came back to that yes. um, I've always, I like the postcard size of images. I think, I think these work better like a postcard almost, yeah. I guess that's, that's kind of yeah. part I, of the... I, th- I, th- I think the postcard size as well works very much with, I suppose, part of the subject matter theme particularly particularly of your first book which was was beside the seaside it's that is that sort of size of scale that i think yeah it kind of just correlates nicely with the Uh nicely nicely with the with the actual uh, postcard that you would uh, get from your holidays yeah definitely so so i like that format um and when i was looking at my my photo books that i had it was Ian Sargent's books. Oh, yes. Yep. You know, I, I picked them up and I thought, well, this is good. You know, he's used that. He's used that really well. And that kind of cemented it for me that I, I didn't I didn't feel that I needed to do something bigger. I think there's that kind of instinct that you you have to yeah. do a big hardback. Bigger, thing. bigger is thought, better. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that that doesn't really go with what I'm doing. Um, and also thinking about what was affordable to publish, Um and I was looking for, you know, when I was doing this, I was really doing it for myself. I thought, you know, there's probably a handful of people who will also enjoy this. So what I was looking for was a way of producing something which could be printed in really, really small runs and reprinted, you know, if it did well, you know, because I'd like to be able to keep these uh, books in print for a while and not, I didn't want to do anything that was a a sort of limited edition or, or, you know, or, or to make it seem like it was collectible or rare yes. i just wanted to have a book that would come out and you can yeah, buy it uh, yeah that's it's accessible accessible to as many people and as as frequently as and as often as 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 there's demand for it yeah definitely yeah so that was good you know uh, for ages i couldn't figure out how i was going to actually put it together that was one of the other hurdles to get over because i don't i'm not a designer um you know i don't ha- i don't have any design don't even have photoshop i'm a complete kind of luddite with a lot of that stuff so i was thinking oh, i'll have to hire a designer but then i was thinking you know it's it doesn't justify it for this book that i think might sell five copies if it sells any at all i can't afford to hire a designer for each yeah. issue considering i want to do a few of these so i had to i had to sort of grab myself by this scruff in the neck a few times and think right well what are you going to do about it <laughs> you know how, how do you yeah. go over this um, and I, I work for a newspaper club, <clears throat> yeah. which is a, a kind of print-on-demand newspaper company, and that's been going for 10 years. And really the goal of that was to make newspaper printing more accessible to everyone. So we work with a, quite a wide variety of people. We work with a lot of professional designers and photographers, and we also work with people who have never designed anything in their life and are just trying to put the first thing They'll together. Yeah. So, so I ended up the the tool that I had was Microsoft Word. Okay. And I thought that's ridiculous. You can't make a photo book with Microsoft, Microsoft Word, but it turns out you can. <laughs> um, so that was good. You know, the I used Mixum to print the books. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. They're they're wi- widely used by quite a few people. 
Yeah, I mean, they're great. They'll let you print one copy, you know, so I, that was what I thought, right, there's nothing to lose here. I, I can do, I can make something in Word, might not be the most, you know, slick professional thing you've ever seen, but I can make something, I can print one copy and see what it, what it's, it's like. like. And then, you know, if it's good, great, we're, we're sorted. So when I got the first one back, I thought, oh, this is really nice. Um, and I showed it to my son, who's 15. And he said, oh, I hate that paper. That paper's horrible. Because <laughs> I do <laughs> silk uh, paper. I just thought photos. Yeah, you need something glossy, silky. Um, and he said, oh, no, I hate that. That's horrible. So I switched to uncoated. And that was my, you know, a good bit of, possibly my only bit of user Feedback. Um, but, that, but that was really helpful because I thought, oh, yeah, that, that does go. That's quite nice. Well, that's it. And as you say, it gave, by doing it with Mixum or whoever else you, you print it with, when you've got the ability to print one copy or even a small number of copies, and I know I've, I've spoken to people who have maybe used Mixum or the others, you love print, et cetera, X, Y, Z, and you can do a small run of even maybe four or five, and mm -hmm. it allows them to then send them to friends who they know will give them good feedback and you can you can begin to test out these things and it's it's not costing your fortune to do it and it allows you as you say yeah. even just for you printing your one copy you immediately thought no silk's not the paper uncoated and if you'd had to do a run of a hundred to begin with you'd have got a hundred copies back that were all silk and you'd think I wish I'd gone for uncoated. So it, yeah. the, these are these are great facilities because it allows you to do it allows you to do the one-off copies or even just the one-off copy to see how the the flow of the image goes because it's very easy to see it when it's on your computer screen and you think that looks great. But actually, when you then sit down and you're just flicking through the images, there might be one or two that just jar out as you think mm, I could yeah. be in a different location. And if you've got the one copy. It's, it's really easy to be able to sit down and, and have a flick through it and, and, and progress and make minor tweaks there. And then you can then go back and do the actual print run itself. Yeah, definitely. I think for each one, I've done two or three tests. Yes. And it was that same kind of process of, you know, there were pictures where I thought, well, there were some pictures that, I'm, that I was very fond of. And I just had to admit that they didn't look that good in print. You know, so that was or they weren't in the right place, place yes. like you're saying, you know, or they just needed, you know, they maybe needed something uh, done to them. Uh, so, so that was really good. It was, it was quite nerve wracking even to do the tests and kind of hit the button, you know, to, to get it all printed. But it was definitely a lot more reassuring to be able to do that and, you know, feel that it had evolved slightly. And then it got to a point where it was finished and I thought, right, okay, this is, to happy with it and how, how, how did how did you how did you approach it obviously you'd been building up a collection of images for a long period of time you decided you want to you wanted to do a book um how, how did you initially decide on what were going to be the let's call it the large pool of images that you were then going to shorten it down to the final edit how, how did the curation process go was it something you undertook entirely yourself or did you seek outside input advice at any point um, no, I did that all myself. I mean, the the collection is a mess. <laughs> I, I'm sure that happens to a lot of people. But the I had everything on a hard a hard disk, and it was all chronological. Okay. Um, so it did have some kind of order, but it didn't have a thematic order. Um, yes. But the, there were a few things that I always come back to. I think I kind of started at the top. Think, what what have I taken a photograph of most? Um, and it's 
things like signs and shop fronts and uh, I've got so many pictures of shop, shop fronts so they are in the books and then seaside resorts and things like that so I just started going through everything and, and kind of picking my favourites putting them into a separate folder and then going through that again and sorting that out into subject and then I've got a kind of a folder that's got a short list of okay. images that I'll just start playing with playing around with um and it was when I got to that point I, I hadn't really thought about the order you know I just at some point I thought oh right you need some kind of running order with this don't yes. you um and that was when I when I'd looked at Ian Sargent's book I noticed that it really jumped out at me in his book just the care the care that he's taken to use two images that complement each other Absolutely. and that was when I started thinking about the images in pairs you know I didn't think of it as a sequence but I just thought right I need to find uh pairs yeah initially pairs that work together yeah you know and and I think what what he does is is really good because sometimes it's a color that ties them together or a shape or a subject or something like that so that was really helpful in just you know getting something moving Mm. uh, and being able to think right those two go together those two go together um and I could build up something which I then put into a book and I sort of had a look through it and thought, right, well, actually they're, they're kind of the same thing. So one of them's got to go or it, it was nice, you know, it brought out some pictures that I would have overlooked, I think. Because yes. There's one in particular in the first book that I just kind of bypassed and then got a very particular shade of blue in another photo and I thought, oh, right, they'll look nice together and you know that one uh, absolutely and it's a good point in. it's a good point when you talk about you have to admit defeat on some of your favorite images mm-hmm. which maybe aren't in the right place or they don't actually add something as a standalone image they maybe work really well and 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 work even better but as part of a book as part of a sequence they don't necessarily add to the flow and enhance everything else whereas as you say there the image that you kind of overlook and bypass that can actually be brought in and enhances the, the flow of the work. And it's yeah. because, because you're looking at things as a, as a whole set of images, as opposed to just the wow shots that really you, you kind of are your favorites. And I think it's always hard for people to, uh, to pass out their favorite shots because you do have a real emotional, maybe more of an emotional connection to than you, than you do other shots, but it shows you that you, that so many different shots from uh, different places that you maybe think, they're yeah they're okay but they're not adding anything to it actually when when they sit beside another image that as you say there complements each other just with the with a tone of blue or contrasting with the tone of blue or whatever mm-hmm. it is they, they really add something else and add and bring something to the whole body of work yeah I mean I had to kind of I had to sort of stand back from it a little bit because you know so many of these photos were my, these were my summer holidays Basically, you know, so almost all of these places I was there with my kids and, you know, a lot of the, the pictures are quite old. So the kids were wee and I kept thinking, right, am I kind of projecting my my affection for this place because we visited on that day and we had a great time and, you know, had ice cream and it was lovely. Is it really is it really a photo that, that should be in the book or is it just my memory of it is kind of adding all this special meaning? So I had to sort of... I felt like I had to wear a few different hats okay. during this process, you know, and at one point it was like a kind of a policeman hat of saying, stop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you sure about this? Would that, would somebody else who's not got the, the memory of the place yes, see that in the same way as, as I do? 
Yeah. Um, so it's quite it's quite hard sometimes to be your own critic, but I, I did do that at times and just try try to be quite hard on myself without stopping myself doing it altogether yeah, yeah I, I think I think you're right everyone has got to you've got to kind of be critical it makes you look at your work in a very different way when you start looking at it in a in a proper sequence in a proper running order and you can begin to see where connections are made and as you say you've you've got a different connection to the place and it's asking yourself so what does the viewer see will they see something similar will they see something else and how are they going to experience it but I think it works subject matter whilst it's your experiences of these specific locations, I think the subject matter that you're photographing in both of your books are ones that we can all relate to, regardless of wherever mm-hmm. we are in, 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 in the UK in particular. And okay, it might, it, it might be a picture of the inside of a cafe in Glasgow, but anyone can probably relate that to the cafe down the end of their road or something like that and I think I think yeah. that, I think that's what makes the work really relatable um to so many people it's because they everyone has a cafe somewhere locally that they will go to for their bad fry up in the Saturday morning <laughs> or for or for their fish and chips once they've had a few beers on a Saturday night etc mm-hmm. um and I, th- I think that's where it works really well it's you're you're kind of leaving enough in, information and ambiguity for them to imagine their own personal experiences of when they were maybe a youngster or by the seaside on their holiday or or on a Saturday afternoon with their mum and dad in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I, I, I tend to take photos of the details of a place, you know, and I, I think if you do that and it, it put the details together, it does give you something where you can build the rest of the picture yes. yourself, you know, whether you've seen that or not, hopefully they're evocative enough that you kind of get the gist from the details of it um and you know it, it gives you the kind of flavor of a a place absolutely and are there any particular images that um, are personal favorites to you obviously it reminds you a lot of your holidays but are there any are there any shots that you you have a, a particular affin- uh, affinity to um that's a hard one um there, there's a cafe called bonis which is a one on page four Okay. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. It was at Clarkston Toll. Okay. Um, and it was just incredible. I mean, it, it was quite a big place, and every single inch of that was a photo in its own right. right. It was just beautiful. Um, and so you know, completely untouched. I'm not. I'm not really sure when that would have opened. Fifties, maybe fifties, sixties. Um, and that that was a really lovely place we went in there with my oldest son who's now 20 was about four uh, and we had a really nice chat with the owner who I think was Mrs Boney right was still working there and we had a snowball ice and a, a, a cappuccino and it was just you know I, I, I kind of walked in and it's a bit like they're a bit like cathedrals almost <laughs> to me yeah. where I think oh look at this you know you don't always know what's going to be behind the the door um but it was really remarkable you know and it, it's closed down now but it had that perfect mix of being really beautiful but quite sad as well you know because I just thought this is obviously going to when Mr and Mrs Boney decide they don't want to do this anymore this stop. that's it you know and, and that's what happened um and how, how, no, yeah, uh-huh. how do you how do you find the cafe owners react when you 
when you want to photograph their their beautiful establishments? Um, they're usually really happy. You know, yes. I've never I've never had anybody um, have a problem with it. It's it's nice because you usually get a wee a wee chat with them as well. Like the <clears throat> the people that run the university cafe were were really nice. Yes. Um, he was quite funny. He was trying the the guy who was working there was trying to pop into the pictures and out of the pictures <laughs> at different times. Um, so yeah, it's good. I, I think generally they're, you know, they're kind of flattered. The people are interested, but also, you know, they, they know what they've got as well. You know, it, it's gone on long enough that I think the cafe owners are sort of aware that they, they've got something quite special as well. And, and I hope that taking an interest in it keeps them yes. going as well. Yeah, it's there's there's some wonderful frontages and, and and an amazing array of furniture as well, which is yeah. the, the plastic seats that are well screwed into the ground so, that, <laughs> so I mean, no, just, no one can steal them. No, definitely. It's just kind of fallen open on the the, the, the uh, photo from the university cafe, which they've got a sign saying espresso coffee, white or black. And I think that is really lovely. I, I love it when you find something in a cafe. They've sometimes got signs... I think the uni- university cafe might have this as well, where it says toasted sandwiches, you know, and it's obviously a sign that was made at a time when toasted sandwiches were the really exciting. Thing. They were a new thing. Yes. You know, so you sometimes get it, jacket potatoes. And it's just, it's really nice. You can kind of see a history or a history of eating, you know, and not just a history of cafes, but um, a history of what, what went on and how times changed um and you just get these little relics that are that are sitting there and obviously the names of some of these places you know there's there's the Savoy and there's the Ritz and you can just see that they were at one time they were really glamorous absolutely if you went if you went back to the right era that would be the glamorous the the top end place that everyone would go to yeah Um, and now now you just associate them with with other with entirely different things and yeah, i'm just looking at i think it's page 51 the top hat a cone with a snowball oh yeah and, and then it's the the look folks fish and chips peas tomato bread and butter <laughs> and it's it's real chips not frozen and it's yeah but it's it's all these wonderful wonderful signs and wonderful experiences um that it's it's a it's a it's just a beautiful beautiful collection a beautiful reminder of history as well that's uh-huh. oh, that's that's, good. that's, the, that's the other thing it's it, it's great it's it's a moment in time and some of these places as you as you mentioned a lot of these some of these places even closed while you're editing the work and it just shows mm-hmm. that at some point they will disappear and yeah. there may be none of these left but because of of work that yourself and others are doing there, there's records of these and it's so much nicer having them in print as it is mm-hmm. having them on computer whereby all you do is slide through and actually yeah, you look at this past. and yeah you scroll past and there's time and care has been paid into attention in terms of how it's sequenced and how it's ordered and yeah it's, it's one of the reasons I, I, I really love photo books um, and mm-hmm. zines and all, all the printed material it's a different different experience um, yeah. Obviously, talking about photo books, I think you've probably got one or two yourself. So I, I'm always really interested uh, to hear what are the favourite photo books of uh, of my guests because it's uh, yeah, it's always interesting to see what inspires um, and, and encourages other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've got a wee pile here. Excellent. Um, my favourite book is 
uh, a book called Jail's, Jail Keys Made Here, um, okay. which is by Lee Bolton. Right. And that is from, I think, the 50s, possibly. And I just found this in a charity shop. Um, didn't know anything about it. Yeah, first published 1959. And Lee Bolton was a... I think he was a, a museum photographer. I, I can't really find any record of, you know, why why this book came about or, okay. mm -hmm. um, you know, his history, but it seemed to be a, a museum photographer in the States. And I think this book is really just a side project where he took pictures of uh, signs in the US. I mean, some really beautiful examples of sign writing and also the, the, those kind of funny pictures, like there's one that says, um, special broken pies, oh, five cents each. each. You know, so I, 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 there's a lot of that. When I saw this in a book, I thought, "Oh, you can take pictures of these things." You know, it's kind of the things that I was interested in. Where sometimes I felt a bit daft taking these photos. I thought, "Oh well, someone's done this and they've made a lovely book." Okay, so yeah, that's great. Carry on. Um, there's another book called the, the English Sunrise, which uh, is by Tony Adams, and that is a collection of the sunrise motif, um, which was quite popular in the 20s and 30s. And it is a lovely book, a kind of square format with just one one image per page, one page. quick whole image per page of things with sunrise motifs. And there's everything from front doors to um, needle cases and record labels and lampshades. It's just, I think from that kind of collector's perspective you know th these books are great but I think oh somebody was really into that and yes. they took all, you know they just kept going with it and they turned it into a book that is now this lovely record of you know a very evocative kind of time um yeah. something that was yeah it's great it's great to see themed subject or books very focused on a particular subject obviously the the signs and then and then the, the sunrise motif as well which it shows what yeah. it shows that you can apply that to nearly anything and you, you, uh -huh. you can publish a body of work that, that documents or focuses on such a specific topic. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've got a Cathy Royal book yes. here. Yeah. They've got to be in there. Absolutely. They're absolutely brilliant, I think, and, and really influential to me because, you know, they've got a, a great body of work, but they're really affordable, accessible yeah. Which, which, which one is it you've got there? Um, I'm, I'm sure got, you've probably got a few of them like I, do. like I do as well. Yeah, I've got Glasgow 1970s to 1980s by Douglas Cornips, um, which is lovely because it's in colour. And so and it's very recognisable to me, you know, having grown up in Glasgow in the 70s and 80s. But it's got a lovely kind of dry sense of humour to it. You know, I, I think that there's quite a lot of photos of old Glasgow are old anywhere pretty much and sometimes they're you know they're very serious and gritty and a bit grim and I really like this because the the cover's got a wee boy um blowing an enormous bubble with his bubble gum and it's just that it's, it's got a lot more sort of joy and humor than some of these collections have so so that's a good one and anything else by yeah, yeah, I I, th I think they are they are the sub the work that Cafe Royal Books publish. I think it's fantastic. As you say, it's such an affordable, um, affordable collection of of zines books, whatever you want to call them. But they cover such incredible parts of U UK life going back to that that era. 
Um, and it's great because, I, like you, I've got so many of them. I've got a lot from Glasgow because I think then you're naturally there's a natural connection to see maybe what parts of cities or the towns that you lived in were like back in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's great just to, to see the collections of work that uh, Craig continues to publish and, and release and yeah. um, just moments of history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. Um, so last one I've got is Peter Mitchell, um, early Sunday morning, which is enormous. It's absolutely huge and it weighs a ton, um, but it's lovely. He he worked in Leeds, read about Leeds, um, and has got a lot of pictures of, you know, things that were changing at the time, um, shop fronts, a lot of industrial buildings and you know signs and that kind of thing just a lovely a really lovely collection yeah Uh, the colors in it are absolutely beautiful very nice yeah that looks a looks a lovely book again i I quite like the northern english industrial architecture going back to going back to that generation as well where you all the old mills etc and i think it's great to see all of these things having been documented and, and mm-hmm. photographed because I think they, they make for wonderful collections that you can really continue to enjoy. So, yeah, a wonderful selection of books there. Um, I'll be having a look certainly at the first one, which I don't, uh, which I've not heard of, but it sounds quite interesting to to see some of the some of the signs from from that yeah. sort of, from that sort of era. Uh-huh. Um, as you say, it reminds you a lot of the signs that you would see in the chippies in Glasgow when it was the next big thing that had, uh-huh. been, had kind of been invented. Um, so on, on that note, uh, Anne, it's really just to thank you very much for your time this morning. It's been, it's really been a pleasure chatting to you about, about your work. Um, and I really look forward to seeing your future publications because I, I, I'm going to guess that you've probably got a lot of images that you can probably sit and work through and really produce a great series of, of work um, that documents parts of, UK, Glasgow, Scotland, all the coastal locations and, and just fantastic town and, and particularly of all the shop fronts as well. I think that could really be quite an impressive collection to see something come out that f- focuses on that as yeah, well. Yeah, thank you. I mean, thanks so much for asking me because it, it has, you know, a, a few times I've thought, God, what am I doing? You know, it's is anyone really bothered about this apart from me? So it, it's really nice to be asked about it and it makes yeah. me think about what I'm doing and gives me a bit more encouragement yeah. to keep no, going. No, it's, it's, it's great. I've, I've got a couple of other books that say uh, maybe cover seaside resorts as well. And I think there's, I think there's a wonderful connection for people there because they can, it doesn't matter really where it is because people relate to it in terms of their own childhood mm-hmm. and, and, their, and their own life experiences um, and I think uh, Chips and Ice Cream does exactly that. And yeah, it's beautiful, really nicely published and really ni- beautifully printed and the colours are wonderful as well. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time this morning. And thanks. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure.